It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. The bye week is over. Your 14 days without football are coming to an end. Uh, Gabe DeArmond, Mitchell Forty here. We will preview Troy very, very briefly on this episode of the podcast, which, as always, is brought to you by Shakespeare's Events and Catering. Call Shakespeare's, uh, order eight pizzas or more, walk in, order eight pizzas or more, whatever. Mention the podcast. They're going to give you a discount. Do that soon. We'd like to convince them to keep doing this with us. We'd like to uh, let you eat Shakespeare's pizza, honestly. Yeah, yeah there's really, I, I mean, that, that really is what it boils down to is you need some Shakespeare's pizza in your life. <laughs> yeah, there's no downside. Uh, we will actually be at Shakespeare's Pizza this evening. I'm not sure we'll order eight pizzas, but we'll see. Uh, so do that. Um Help Shakespeare's out. Help the podcast out. Uh, like us, review us, follow us, whatever you do with podcasts on your various podcast apps. We'll appreciate that. Before we get to uh, the bulk of this week's episode, Missouri plays Troy this weekend. And yeah, uh, <laughs> if I said right now, give me the first and last name of a Troy football player, can you do it? Well, I just I spent this morning writing our our preview, so actually, yeah, I got okay. I know at least because one. I could not. The starting quarterback is Caleb Barker. I know that. Okay, I, I was gonna say I know they have a quarterback yeah. that like. Oh no, never mind. It's the Kentucky quarterback that transferred from Troy. I don't yeah. know anything about Troy. Yeah, clearly, yes. Uh, no, I mean I don't know a lot. I, I actually do think like I think I think Troy is somewhat like Wyoming in that they're good enough to beat Missouri if Missouri plays a really bad game. Right. Um they, I mean they clearly they can score some points. Um, you know, obviously they can also game, give up some points. They, they can very much give up some points. Yeah, they they just gave up fifty to Arkansas State. Yeah. Um I mean I don't know that one it's at home which helps and two given that Missouri's already gone through a loss to Wyoming, like I would be pretty dumbfounded if they managed to do that again. Yeah, Missouri is Look, they cannot possibly believe that any game on their schedule they can roll their helmets out and win because they already saw what happens when they yeah. think they can do that. Right. And Wyoming was, what, I think it kicked off like a 17-and-a-half-point spread or something yeah. like that. This is 24. So yeah. this would be a bigger upset by a touchdown. Yeah. I, I just – I, I don't know. You said last week you think losing to Troy is more likely than losing to Ole Miss. Do you still think that? I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> that I don't, was kind of a made-up story. It really all that was was just my me driving home a point about how and, bad the rest the Mizzou's schedule is, and particularly Ole Miss. I've been unimpressed with them. And so. look, when we've got to fill, when we've got to write like twenty-five stories a week, and we fill thirty-five minutes on a podcast, sometimes we just say stupid stuff that yeah. might not I mean, necessarily like, it's not be like, true. It's not like there was that much research that went into that. Also, <laughs> it's out of the bye week, so you know, I mean, like weird things have happened. Mizzou sometimes loses games uh, out of the bye week. I don't know. I mean, it, like. I, I think that stat is a little overblown, though, because oh, it's, it's I, I way do think yes. the, the stat with extra time to prepare is somewhat meaningful. Right, right, right. But this is by far the worst team he yeah. will have played with no, yeah, extra I mean, time to prepare. I yeah. mean, Oklahoma State was a decent team. Texas was a decent team. The last three buys were at Florida, at Kentucky, at South Carolina. Yeah. Those are all better teams than this. Yes, yes. I mean, it's yeah, it, it is. You're right. It's definitely overblown. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I think, I mean, this is not like. <laughs> Far be it from the media to make too much of something. Yeah, though. right. Um, I mean, on, and 
I mean, Barry, to his credit, actually did. He he really embraced it going into yeah. the buy, talking about it. But no, I mean, I I just I see this, you know, as as it's not like a SEMO level cakewalk. It's a team that is capable of beating Missouri if it, you know, if Missouri basically plays does what it did Wyoming turns the ball over and gives up big plays and Troy's yeah. capable of creating big plays. But I mean, I just, I would be, I would be truly, I would be pretty stunned if, if that were to happen again, I think Missouri's going to put up like 45 points. Yeah. I could see there being a little hangover and it being a closer game than people think. Like mm-hmm. I would probably, I'll probably pick Troy to cover, Yeah, but I won't pick Troy to win. Um, I, you know, and it, it, whatever it's, this is the last, like, Let's just get through this game because, I mean, I understand, yes, Tennessee's terrible, Arkansas's terrible, all that, but, like, they're they're major conference teams. Mm -hmm. Like, they're going to beat somebody sometime. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. right. I mean, yeah, Ole Miss and Tennessee have some talent. I I don't think Arkansas is going to beat anyone ever again, but, (laughs) (laughs) like, I mean, you know, Tennessee and Ole Miss have, they have, they have the guys, like, they have similar to better recruits to Missouri that maybe they put it all together one right. day and do it. Yes, you're right. I mean, Missouri should be able to outclass Troy for the most part. Okay, so that's our Troy preview. We're not going to talk any more about that. All right, we're going a little different direction on the podcast this week because, again, the football game is Troy, and frankly, we don't care all that much. Uh, you know, it's going to happen. Missouri should win, and then it will be over. So, uh, actually, line this up earlier this summer. Um, got a, a message and got sent a copy of a book called Ticketless. It is written by Trevor Krause. He is a uh, Mizzou alum, longtime Mizzou fan, St. Louis native. And uh, Trevor, first off, I appreciate you calling us from uh, somewhere in Spain. Is that right? Yeah, I'm in Madrid, Spain. Uh, I'm an English teacher here. Oh, okay. Very cool. So uh, I'm just going to kind of open up. uh, I'd rather have, I've read the book. I appreciate you sending me a copy a few months ago, but I want to give you a chance. Just kind of tell people, give the thumbnail sketch. Like, what is this book about? Well, uh, I appreciate that, Gabe, and I really appreciate you having me on. Um, So the title is Ticketless. The subtitle is How Sneaking into the Super Bowl and Everything Else Almost Held My Life Together. And ostensibly, the book is about my career sneaking into major sporting events. And this all happened while I was in college at Mizzou from 2009 through 2013, um, and so I, I developed this hobby of sneaking into big-time sporting events, the Super Bowl, Wimbledon, uh, World Series games, the Masters, um, and as you might imagine, quite a few uh, big Mizzou sporting events. Mm-hmm. But uh, it also takes – the background is, is my time in college, obviously, in Columbia. When uh, I mean, I really had a real uh, – a tough time – Emotionally, I was in a fraternity and had no luck whatsoever in romance. You know, I was <laughs> I was a virgin and depressed as can be about that. My dad, uh, his life spiraled out of control and, and he wound up dying when I was a, a sophomore. Um, and it was he who had really inspired this knack in me uh, for sneaking into sporting events. So so the book is, like I said, ostensibly about my spin moves, as I call them, mm-hmm. into into big sporting events, but it's uh, it's about a lot more than that as well. And like I said, it, it all takes place with Columbia, Missouri, of all places, as the as the backdrop. 
Trevor Mitchell Forty here. Uh, so just just to start off, I have to apologize. I have not actually read the book. Uh, Gabe didn't lend me his copy. Very rude of him, and I'm still <laughs> waiting for mine to arrive uh, via Amazon. But uh, just, just gotta gotta ask. So you said your 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 dad kind of instilled this uh, this hobby uh, into you. When when was the first time you uh, you snuck into a sporting event? Well, it was. In 2005, the summer of 05, the Cardinals and the Cubs uh, were playing at Wrigley Field, and my dad brought me and my brother up there you know, for a road trip. Uh, we had tickets to the Sunday game, Sunday Night Baseball Series finale, but not the Saturday game. And so we went out uh, to Wrigley, you know, you know, maybe catch a batting practice home run outside, the, you know, outside left field. Um, but he spotted this construction zone. And uh, I've got pictures, by the way, of all this in the, in the index of the book, um, of what it looks like today anyway. He spotted this construction zone, and he just kind of grabbed our hands, and he, and he barreled through this, through this fence, and we wound up right inside the concourse of Wrigley Field, and we saw the whole game. The Cardinals won. It was, it was just kind of a dream come true. You know, we didn't know, my brother and I, what was going on. Um, but it all it all started there and then when i got to college got to got to mizzou my sophomore year um the tigers were playing uh, at nebraska in 2010 coming off that win against oklahoma uh you know for homecoming this is and the so indomitian shoe game yeah exactly no 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 uh no. the following year okay uh when the tigers played at nebraska okay okay um and, uh, and emotions were riding high. Um, and I had always had, had that Norm Stewart's, you know, axiom ringing in my head about how you don't want to spend any money in the state of your rival. You know, you fill up for gas before you cross the Kansas border, you go play the game, and then you get back to Missouri uh, and you eat, and you don't spend a, a dime in Kansas. And I figured that that should apply to Nebraska, too. So I uh, wanted to go to the game. Uh, my buddy had bought a ticket, but, uh, but I wasn't going to do that. And so uh, we get there, and I'm determined to scout it out and, and find a way in. And, uh, and that's where the spin move was born, really. I, I ran right past an usher, uh, took off my, my red shirt. You know, I was pretending to be a Nebraska fan to blend in. And uh, by the time I got to the other side of the stadium, took it off, and I'm wearing, you know, my Mizzou gold, and, uh, and I'm home free. The Tigers uh, put up a stinker in that one, unfortunately. I think. Yeah, Roy Hilu uh, had Roy Hilu. Yeah, it was it was it was over by by the second quarter. But yeah. uh, I, I felt at least that I had exacted some bit of revenge because <laughs> I got into that game for free. Uh, now, it, here's what I want to ask you in reading the book. Like, and I want people to understand. Like, there's a lot of planning that goes into this, as far as hey, I got to find the best place I can do it. I got to wear two shirts so I can take one off and all that. But ultimately, your strategy to sneak into these games is I'm just going to run past people, and I'm really banking on the fact that the the security people at these games are hourly employees, most of whom can't run as fast as I am, and most of whom probably don't really care if I pay or not. No, that's that's exactly right. Um, I was an usher and ticket taker myself at at Scott Trade Center at the time in St. Louis for Blues games for bragging rights games. Um, and I, that's where I learned, that's one of the early chapters of the book, that's where I learned just how easy it would be and just how little people care. Um, and, uh, you know, there's no, there's no layer basically behind 
the ticket takers. So once I can run past, run through a turnstile, for example, um, there's no line of defense. There's no, uh, there's no second line. So it's, it's really pretty easy. Although, yeah, I do scout it out pretty carefully to make sure I'm choosing a, a good location. So I, I feel like the obvious uh, follow-up question is, have you ever been caught or have you ever had any, uh, any very close calls? Yeah, um, in Argentina, where I, I studied abroad one summer while I was at Mizzou, um, there was a, a, big, uh, a big soccer game. Boca Juniors was playing uh, for kind of their Champions League, the South American Champions League, and tickets were absurdly expensive. And, uh, I mean, so, to be honest, South American security and security here in Europe uh, puts security in the, in the States to shame. I mean, it's, it's the Super Bowl times 10 for every event. So I knew my chances were slim. I tried anyway, and I had a hood on. Uh, I kind of had a hoodie. And basically the second I, I did my thing, my hood was grabbed, and, and luckily I was only dragged you know, to the corner and kind of given a, a forearm shiver by a <laughs> big hulking policeman. But no, ultim- no ultimate consequences. Well, what I enjoyed about the book is you somehow managed to convince a bunch of your friends to do this too. And I know at, at some point they would, would buy tickets uh, and be a little too nervous to do it, but you managed to talk some of them into doing it with you. Uh, two questions on that. Number one, you know, how hard was it to convince your friends? And number two, when you wrote this book, like everybody you know knows you do this. Were your friends like, now my parents are going to know that I, you know, snuck into a, an NCAA tournament game or whatever. That's a, that's a good question. I, I did change everybody's names except for my immediate family members. Yeah. So if they were worried about that, uh, they wouldn't have to. But most of them have told their parents and, and really, uh, at least in my, in my inner circle and extended circle even, all I've gotten is positive reinforcement and positive feedback. People, uh, I guess, see a sort of a Robin Hood angle in me. This is their words, not mine. Um, uh, You know, someone, uh, just one man, a diehard fan taking on the NCAA, uh, big powerful athletic departments or big powerful sports leagues and and getting one over on them. So I've gotten almost unanimous support from people who who actually know me and who've read the book. was it hard to convince people? Not really, uh, <laughs> surprisingly. I, I, I developed a, a good technique for it, um, and it helped that I was in a fraternity full of big sports fans just like me. So, uh, in fact, it was, it was friends of mine uh, who convinced me to go to Lawrence, Kansas for, um, for the – for the border war game, mm-hmm. Tigers uh, got blown out in this one. But my my buddy was riding for the man eater, and he was uh, covering the basketball team. And uh, he said, "Yeah, come on, you know, you can do your your spin move thing and and pull another Norm Stewart, where you don't contribute a single cent to the Kansas economy." And uh, and so I tagged along with him and actually went in through the the press entrance at uh, at Allen Fieldhouse and. Uh, and, and that was the, the first college basketball game that I did. So, Trevor, uh, you know, just wondering whether it be just through the uh, kind of the, the 
enormity of the event, like a Super Bowl, or just because of uh, how it transpired, like the 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 game with your dad? What are, what are kind of your fondest memories as far as uh, games you have witnessed for free? Well, uh, definitely the quote unquote game of the century between LSU and Alabama in 2011, in November of 2011, number one and number two. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we successfully got five five of us myself and four friends into Bryant Denny stadium for that game. And the atmosphere was just incredible, you know, sort of a preview of an sec tailgate for us before Mizzou made the jump, obviously, um, you know, tailgating in, in nicer attire. That, that was a, it's a very special memory. And then to top it off, all five of us got in and we, we met up at gates, uh, GG at section check section GG, in the stadium and we we all gave each other big hugs and high fives so that was uh that was probably the the best moment i had in college and so paradoxically when i think back about my time in columbia my time as a as a missouri student i think of tuscaloosa alabama of all places Again, we're talking with Trevor Krause. The book is Ticketless. We'll put a, a link to the Amazon site on the podcast page so you guys can can go get it if you want to. I encourage you to. It's entertaining. Now, it, it, Trevor, you mentioned it a little bit um, right at the beginning. I, and honestly, when I started reading this book, I just kind of thought, hey, this is going to be fun, man. This is going to be about a, a dude sneaking into games, and it's going to be a nice, light, breezy read. And it gets into way more than that. So for you, was this a book about getting into these things or was this like a therapy session about kind of how, uh, how you know, you, you battled some, some demons and stuff in your life? Def- definitely the latter. Um, it started out as just uh, a bunch of spin move stories, you know, one after the other. But I quickly realized that, uh, that ultimately that would sound like me you know, bragging about myself. And I, and I didn't think that that would be all that interesting. Uh, so I worked really hard over, uh, you know, seven plus years with uh, a really good, talented editor, Matt Rudnitsky. And, uh, and we turned it into something a lot more. It, uh, it took on more, you know, the storyline about my father and how he, uh, he got me involved in this, in this hobby and, and how his life, uh, wound up in, in depression and ultimately a, a fatal car accident. And, uh, and the stories about my constant romantic failures, I thought, uh, played pretty nicely because here I am uh, seemingly bursting with confidence, you know, uh, bursting into these major sporting events with hardly a care in the world. But uh, that, same, that, that same confidence doesn't carry over into my personal life. So, um, and it, I, I can't tell you how good it felt to, to finally publish it and, and send it out into the world. And I've gotten so much, I've heard from people who I wasn't all that close with at Mizzou, friends of mine who told me that um, they were in fact going through similar kinds of feelings of, uh, of confusion, remorse, you know, whatever. And, um, and so it, it, it created some new bonds between me and, and, people in my fraternity and, and other friends at Mizzou. Uh, that's it kinda, felt really good. Uh, felt really good to publish it. That's kind of what I wanted to ask you. I mean, did it, people that I, I guess weren't your close friends or your roommates, just kind of people you knew, I mean, 
at the time, you know, did most people kind of have any idea you were you were dealing with some some things? And then after you published it, what have you had people, you know, say, hey, man, this this kind of helped me or, or anything like that? Yeah, um, good. Good friend of mine. In fact, uh, a guy who I went to the, the guy who bought the ticket for the Nebraska game uh, and, and we ultimately sat together. Uh, he reached out, for example, and told me um, how, how much the story meant to him, how much he enjoyed reading it, first of all, but how, how much he identified with me. And, and, you know, he said he wishes that he had known uh, what I was going through while I was going through it. He would have liked to have helped, but um, he, he was proud of me, and, uh, and, I, and he opened up. I, w- I was really proud of him. It was, uh, it, it was really cathartic for, for both of us, I think, and for a lot of other readers. So Trevor, uh, like I said earlier, I admitted I, I've not read the book, but I did uh, looked at your Twitter account and saw that you have a video of yourself actually uh, sneaking into Bush Stadium. So for those of you who are, are trying to get a visual on, on the spin move, that's really helpful. I did have a question about that, though. So I, I spent a summer uh, as an intern of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I covered the Cardinals uh, pretty much every home game. They were there. Uh, I sat right next to uh, Kamish Hummel, who, who stars in your video. <laughs> But I'm curious, how did you get in the press box uh, if you couldn't get in the, the, the front, the kind of front door? Well, um, it's, it's in the video. It's a very short snippet. Um, I, I tried the front door and was rebuffed, and, and I, was, I was trying to uh, sneakily catch this all on camera. And then I realized there was a second entrance uh, around on the third base side of the mm-hmm. press box, and uh, the, the, the usher there was just kind of leaning over the rail, looking toward the field and, and watching the game. And so I creep up behind him. I can't believe this is you know really going to happen. Uh, I can't believe he's not going to turn around. I'm trying to keep my footsteps silent. Um, but I get to the door, I open it, and, uh, and I walk right in. And I was able to get my book in the hands of, of Rick Hummel, who's one of my you know, sports writing journalism heroes. Uh, so that, and, and this was the first time I had ever really tried to catch it on video. I wanted to give a visual to help people understand how it's done. And it just got really lucky that it worked out perfectly. All right. So Trevor, everybody does some, uh, some stuff at, you know, 20 that they probably wouldn't do at 35. Uh, have you retired this idea or is there something out there that you're like, I don't know, man, sometime I'm, I'm getting into this. Well, I'm 28 now, so that would give me seven years until 35. But <laughs> I actually, I actually had put a a general stop date on on this hobby of mine when I left college. That was my idea because then I could chalk it up uh, to you know youthful uh, exuberance right. or youthful indiscre- indiscretion. Um, but you know, I think uh, as I thought about it more, the books come out. I've decided that there are certain uh, circumstances <laughs> that I would I would spin move if if I had a chance um, to to see a, a really special sporting event with uh, a good friend of mine, um, for example, a, a cathartic experience for at an emotional and rowdy home atmosphere. You know, um, an AFC title game at, in Cleveland for example, or, um, you know, uh, a Buffalo Sabres Stanley Cup victory, some, some, some event where the home fans had suffered through a lot and, um, 
and would and would really uh, feel the magic. You know, that's that's what I'm out. That's what I'm out for. I want to experience those kinds of atmospheres. So the the, the last chapter of the book uh, takes place at Wrigley Field, long after uh, I had graduated from college, and uh, and I saw the Cubs win the the National League pennant for the first time in 71 years. So if if the stars aligned perfectly, yes, I would spin move again here and there. But I'll say this, I'm much more selective about <laughs> it now than I was. All right, last thing for you, Trevor, just kind of want to, um, first off, everybody can get the book on Amazon. Uh, where else, you know, how can they get this? Is it as simple as just Googling your name and, and the book title and they can find a place to get it? Or is it for sale, yeah. you know, in the state of Missouri at stores? Uh, there, there are a few copies at, uh, at Left Bank Books in, um, in St. Louis, down in the Central West End. And I've uh, been working with uh, a few bookstores in Columbia. I definitely want to make sure it, uh, it gets into the stores there. But, yeah, Amazon is the, is the best way to go. You can Google Ticketless Book, and it'll be the first, the first option. Or you can type in the actual web address bitly.com slash ticket list book and uh, it's available both paperback and kindle all right last thing would be remiss just uh, as we talked about this book is is so much about kind of your mental health and all that i mean how's things man are you happy over in spain <laughs> and and you kind of passed all that um i'm really doing well i appreciate you asking that yeah the uh uh the publishing the book was a, a major milestone for me worked so hard and for so long on it, um, and and it it really helped me sort through and and get through everything that was troubling me. You know, I I I feel great now. Um, I uh, I just saw the Blues win the Stanley Cup. You know, I'm a diehard diehard Blues fan. And last night they raised their their banner, which is something I didn't know if I would ever see. So now, yeah, I I feel great about myself and doing really well. And all that's left now is to get the Tigers to a Final Four. All right. Well, you got about two and a half hours till your baseball team opens the playoffs, I guess. So do you just stay up overnight? I know it's like 8 o'clock over there. Do you just stay up and watch? Uh, we got lucky. At least I did. Uh, the first three games are, are afternoon games in the States. So won't have to stay up too late for them. But uh, if they advance you know, to the NLCS, then, uh, yeah, I'll be pulling some, some all-nighters with a lot of coffee. But – uh, that's the that's the life of a sports fan, at least one who, who chose to live in Europe. <laughs> All right. Well, Trevor, appreciate you calling in, man, and taking the time. We, again, enjoyed the book. We'll share a link uh, for it on the, the podcast page and tweet it out. And uh, have a good day, and thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Trevor. Really, really appreciate it, you guys. Go Tigers. All right. Have a good one. Trevor Krause, uh, Ticketless is the book. Again, we'll – We'll share that, how you can get it. I mean, it, I read it in like three days. It's a, it's a pretty easy read. It, it is more than just, hey, I snuck into these sporting events. But I got to be honest, man, I, no way I had at any point in my life I would have had the balls to at the Masters. I mean, yeah. come on. I've, I mean, I feel like that's one of the only events I would consider trying just because I want to go really bad and it's so expensive. I, other than that, it's like I feel like it's just it's it's kind of a lot of uh, planning and effort. But uh, I don't know. I, I I did watching it on video was not as creative as I thought. I guess he does just kind of bull rush. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> hey, I'm going, man. And you're it like, I, I mean, really, when you go into sporting events, most of these people that take your tickets are like 60 year old dudes. Yeah, they're like. 
I'm not fast, but I could outrun most of the people that take my tickets, I think. <laughs> yeah, and you're down at ACL. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got some issues, but, you know, um, so, yeah, it's uh, – and the funny I, – I think, like, he's just wired different because it was never about saving the $27 right. or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's just I want to see if I can do it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I could imagine it's, like, kind of a thrilling feeling. I don't know, but it yeah. is really a unique story, um, something that I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to reading the book. And, and yeah, it's, like, not just not something you uh, you hear every day. I, I might actually attempt to sneak out of Troy, Missouri this weekend <laughs> and see how that works. I think everyone, no one in the stadium will stop you. I just think the people who pay you to run a website will be a little sad. Yeah. Uh, they won't know. You'll write an extra story, and it'll all be good. <laughs> Again, thanks to uh, to Trevor Kraus uh, for that. I want to move on. Uh, we talked a little bit about football. I guess the big story this week is, you know, basketball, recruiting, all that. Caleb Love goes to North Carolina. As I posted last night, like, look, if you give 10 kids the choice between North Carolina and Missouri, nine and a half of them are going to choose North Carolina. It's just kind of, to me, the similarities between this basketball class and the football class from two years ago are, I mean, they're exact parallels. Like, Barry Odom lost these kids, but he lost them mostly to Texas and Oklahoma and USC and Ohio State. And it's just kind of every kid you can find a logical reason why he didn't come to Missouri. When they build up one one upon the other, it seems like a bigger problem than it is. Odom seems to have righted the ship from that. We've identified this 2020 class for a long time. Cameron Fletcher's now at Kentucky. Uh, Caleb Love's now at North Carolina. And Josh Christopher, he could be at Missouri, but we probably would not put the chances super high at that. Doesn't mean he can't succeed going forward, but it does mean in the moment this is going to be a disappointing class probably. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean – I understand definitely the disappointment about missing out on Love and Fletcher, just given the amount of time and resources that that Conzo Martin spent on them. I don't think like, he was anticipating them getting to the level of playing at a, a North Carolina and Kentucky. I think maybe Caleb. Love. Maybe Caleb Love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and and like you said, like I just I can't fault a coach at Missouri for losing kids to North Carolina, and Kentucky. It's going to happen. You know, I, like I, I probably would have done the same thing if I were in those shoes. I can understand a bit of the you angst wouldn't have gone about to Kentucky. well, no, not but, as a Louisville, but fan. but yeah. you get my point. I do. Yes, I you do. get my point. Anyway, uh, um, yeah, no, but I, I can understand some of the angst about kind of the ostensible lack of a, a backup plan um you know like a guy like ryan kalkbrenner would have been a, a, the type of kid that you would probably expect conzo martin to get uh i talked to his coach back in april and he basically said you know if conzo had been on him early he probably would be committed to mizzou right now he really wanted to stay close to home mm-hmm. um you know ultimately you know who knows that that could have that could have been true could not but like that's the type of you you would expect him to beat out creighton for a for a St. Louis kid, you maybe expect him to to be able to have to have like a, you know, a three star type of guy in the wings waiting. But also, which with, he may, which he may, yes. And with basketball recruiting, like you know, th- there's going to be so many guys c- come on on the market in the spring. Maybe you just want to wait and, and sure. save a spot for that. Um, the the ultimate thing, really, what it comes down to is like we made a big deal out of the Tiger Ten. It these coaches are paid to win games, and Barry Odom's he clearly found good enough replacements. Like. I don't. I can't really justify getting all upset about this class for Conzo Martin until we see what they can do on the court. Right. In three years, if Caleb Love is an All-American and Missouri has a bunch of guys who are scoring four points a game and they're 500, then, yeah, he's probably going to get fired. Not yeah. because Caleb Love went to North Carolina, but that could be, uh, you know, part of it. But the, the, the one argument I've seen that I just can't get on board with is 
they spent too much time on these guys. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the outrage if early in the process, Conzo Martin just goes, well, we can't get that kid. We're out. Yeah, no, uh, that, You have to. when absolutely. that kid, Because if that kid's not from St. Louis, you have no chance. You're never on the list. If mm-hmm. Caleb Love grows up in Cleveland, Missouri's not even a consideration. Right. So when that kid is in the state, you put everything you have into getting him. And if it doesn't. It's not like you can only talk to one kid at a time. Exactly. I mean, I texted like 30 people <laughs> yesterday. You know, it's not hard. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm with you 100%. And clearly, I mean, like, you know, that ended up keeping kind of Missouri in it for Caleb yeah. Love was just kind of the, the groundwork. And, and you know, I know people are upset about, you know, coming in second. But, like, ultimately, that that does, that does can, can't do anything but help, you know, a little bit of publicity. Um, Maybe, but second in recruiting means nothing. Right. Me, you know. Um, but anyway, like, yeah, I, I, I definitely don't fault him for, and would actually kind of praise him for, for putting in the time with those kids because you never know. I mean, the, you know, St. Louis and, and also kind of Kansas City up in like the 22 cycle, they're churning out a lot of talent right now. Yeah. The more time you're putting in with these kids, the more you're kind of, you know, es- you know, establishing yourself uh, in that city. It, it really kind of can only pay off. I just think, you know, I think, I think because of, like I said earlier, the the kind of perceived lack of, of a backup plan, which we'll see. There there may be some. I mean, Davian Bradford could commit tomorrow. Who knows? But because of, of that kind of perception, I think that's why people are upset. I think they, they feel like recruiting Caleb Love and Cameron Fletcher went to the detriment of, of recruiting these other guys. But I don't think that's true. Right. Yeah, they will sign players. Um, who they are, we don't know at this point. Uh, and, yeah, that's frustrating, but whatever. They owe us nothing to uh, <laughs> to publicize their recruiting efforts. So uh, we will we'll find out. Um, I don't know. Outside of uh, Missouri, Troy, like uh, Auburn, Florida is this weekend. Yeah. And that's yeah. interesting because I, I kind of ran through it earlier this week. I think Florida could actually pretty easily come to Columbia with three losses and already out of the division race. Yep. Um, I, I really think – I handicapped it. I said I give – Georgia is 75% chance to win this division. Missouri maybe 20 and Florida about five. Yeah. And everyone else zero. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, Florida's schedule is tough. They got mm-hmm. Auburn, LSU, and Georgia. Um, you know, They're at South Carolina. They're at Missouri. Yeah. There's, there's almost, I feel like, no way you're only losing one of those games, right. which is probably what it would take to to win the division. Um, and, yeah, I mean, well, we've mm-hmm. said it before. We said it in here last week. Like, Missouri's biggest thing it's got going for them right now is its schedule is really not hard. I mean, they just got to get up for this game in Georgia and, 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 you know, a game at Florida at home, a team they've had their number, a team that's going to probably be playing in some chilly weather. Like, it's mm-hmm. not it's it's and, not inconceivable that they're in the rest just for that. For I, that I mean, you have to win one of those games. If you lose them both, you're oh, not yeah. winning the division. Of course. But, I, you know, there is a path. Let's say you lo- – and, again, we're assuming they beat – Ole Miss and they beat Kentucky and they beat Vandy. And if that doesn't happen, this is this is all for naught. But let's say they go lose a, a game at Georgia. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Georgia has Auburn. Mm-hmm. They have A and M. Weird thing. I think A and M sucks, but yeah. whatever. Weird things happen in Georgia, Florida. Mm-hmm. Like it is not impossible that Missouri would lose to Georgia and back into the East title. Yeah, I agree. I'd say it's it's less likely certainly than the. You know, obviously, winning at Georgia provides you your best chance. But yeah, it's not impossible. I mean, sure. I mean, you know, there's all these teams in the SEC have enough talent. And then Georgia talent. could still end up in the SEC title game because right. who knows? Right. right. I mean, all these teams in the SEC have enough talent to 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 beat someone else on the right day. I would say, unless I mean, you know, not Most maybe Arkansas over Alabama, but right. Yeah. And like Tennessee and Vandy, I think one of them will win a game other than against <laughs> each other. But I don't think both of them will. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, that's fair. 
Yeah. Other than that, like I keep looking at college football and I keep going, where are the good games? Right. Like when yeah. do we get to the fun? Like Michigan, Iowa. Eh. Yeah. I, I, Mich- I Michigan watched, State, Ohio State. I watched half of one game all last weekend just because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the games weren't interesting to me. Like the only the only good game. Like one that kind of interested me was Virginia Notre Dame, but it was boring. Right. And by midway through the, the third quarter, I was like, okay, Virginia's never going to score again. Yeah. And, and here's why I think it is. If you look nationally, let's list off the teams that have really any chance to win a national title Alabama, Georgia. Uh, LS- I put Auburn in that mix. LSU and Auburn. LSU, still, yeah. Ohio they- State, Oklahoma, maybe Wisconsin, right? Yeah. That's that sounds all. About oh, right. Clemson. Clemson. So you've yeah. got seven yeah. or eight teams. So if none of those seven or eight teams are playing each other, what you get is a bunch of games where you go, okay, well, those eight teams are all going to win. And then the good games are like, you know, I don't know, Missouri, Florida, which, right. like, yeah, it's fine. It's like yeah. between number like a, 12 and number 24, exactly. but it yeah. doesn't mean anything. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, you know, those, yeah, you mentioned, you know, that, that list, like the four of those SEC teams, like they're going to knock each other out of the race to the point that we're going to get right. back to, you know, the, the point where it's like, all right, well, here's the five teams with a chance. Right. One of them's it's going to be two SEC out. teams and then two out of Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's going to be a debate of like a one-loss SEC team right. versus the winner of either the Big Ten or the Big 12 for the last yeah. spot. So welcome year. to college football, the same as it's been the last 24 years. And I think there's actually a microcosm of it going on in the SEC. Yeah. You've got those four teams, four of the best seven teams in the country are in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I think Wisconsin's the pretty clear number eight out of that group we talked about. Um, but so four of the seven best teams. And then I put Missouri, Florida, and maybe hanging on by the skin of its teeth, A&M in a group of like teams that, I don't know, I think they're decent. They're, yeah. they're, they could be good teams, but they're clearly not on that level. And then the other seven teams in this league are terrible. Right. They're, yeah. No, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And uh, it, it's, it's interesting, like, you know, the SEC has long touted itself as being the best in the deepest football conference. Clearly, it's not right now, but, like, it's still— It, it uh, is, though. Right. But, you know, yeah, it, but it's it, it's not what it was, I guess I'll say that as far as depth goes. Uh, but it, it's interesting, like in Missouri's case, you know, you have the strength of the league due to the the, the teams at the top, which, you know, makes right. like if, if you're an SEC team and you win nine games, you're almost certainly going to at least a New Year's Day Bowl, if not right. a New Year's Six Bowl. But Missouri's like because of the way the SEC has hap- has, has kind of, you know, crumbled uh, at least, you know, outside of those top four, its schedule is actually, like, really easy. So right. like it, It's like the Patriots are going to end the season 16-0 and 0 with a win over the Chiefs and, like, nobody. Yeah. You know, maybe not another playoff team. And it, it, it really comes down to, and it's always a moving bar, the SEC wants to judge how is a conference good differently every year. Mm-hmm. One year they want to judge it on, we have four teams that could win a national title. And right. that's impressive. No other it league is, in yeah. the country can say that. Yeah. But then in another year, they want to judge it by, look how good our 12th place team is. Right. Yeah. And I don't know which one's right. Yeah. You know, the Big 12 does the same thing in basketball. We're a really good league because our ninth place team would finish fourth in this other league. Mm-hmm. Okay, but, like, they still finish ninth. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what makes a league necessarily the best league, yeah. whether it's the most title contenders or the most teams that can win eight games. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, what it really – I mean, that's, you know – National championships is kind of the ultimate measuring stick, and obviously but, the SEC's done very well, at least through Alabama in that regard. Right, so. but, like, 
Clemson has won a couple national championships, might win another one, and the ACC is trash. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, all the all the conferences are going to say they're they're going to come, like you said, they're going to come up with their own metric that paints them in the best light. Um, We just want good football games, right? Just give me close, entertaining games between teams that don't just puke on themselves for sixty minutes every (laughs) Saturday, and and I'll be happy. So, uh, speaking of puking, eat eight Shakespeare's pizzas. Mm If you'd probably throw up, we should, if you we ate should them. probably sponsor some sort of like an eating contest. <laughs> yeah. Like if you maybe that, like you and a partner can put down eight Shakespeare's pizza in one sitting, you'll get like a free year or something. We should do that. <laughs> we should order eight Shakespeare's pizzas and tell people like, uh, what's a fair number of people? Like, could four people finish off eight Shakespeare's pizza? That'd be impressive. I mean, that'd be really impressive. I think that's, I, I think that's like that's, that's a good bar where right? that I, I bet there's some group of four out there who could do it, but I'd be impressed. All right, so here's I'm going to commit to this. The week of the next bye week, mm-hmm. we're not going to do it on the weekend because I'm going to be out of town when the actual bye week happens. Okay. But one night that week, we're going to put out on Twitter and on Power Mizzou, we will pay for eight Shakespeare's pizzas. You and three friends, the first people to sign up for it, are going to meet us at Shakespeare's, and we're going to, like, periscope this. And if the four of you put down eight Shakespeare's pizzas, we're going to give you all four, like, Long-time memberships to Power Mizzou. Yeah, I love it. That's, I think we should. I think we should make it. Also, I feel like we don't necessarily and, even. Well, we do kind of have to be present to know if they're. Yeah, they we'll have to be. There. Yeah, so I take it. Back. And and it, the only rule is going to be: I don't care if you puke when you get home, <laughs> but you are not allowed to puke in on the premises. Yeah, if that, you that puke on the fair. premises, it's it's over. You don't win. So we're going to do that. Uh, we'll line that up with Shakespeare's and with our our uh, advertising guy here coming it. up pretty soon. Um. Yeah, so football on Saturday. Uh, I don't know. I'm out of things to say. You? Yeah? No, yeah, I'm. I'm good. I'm. I'm looking forward to this eating contest. All right. Once again, thanks to Trevor Kraus. We'll uh, we'll share the link to buy ticketless uh, on the podcast page and on Twitter and our Facebook page. So thanks for listening. We'll be back next week talking uh, Mizzou and Ole Miss.